Hello and welcome to a special Christmas episode of Planning People. This is the last time you'll be hearing from us in 2018, so we're going to go out with a bang. Here to take in the year that was with me is our special Christmas guest, Tom Selby, Senior Analyst at Asia Bell. Hello, Tom. Hello. We're also joined by News Editor Charles Wormsley. Hello, Charles. Hey, Ollie. And Features Editor Natasha Turner. Hello. Hi, Ollie. Welcome all. Um, Natasha and Charles, I know that in this festive season of content and Christmas, uh, you must be pretty quizzed out. But as I've said before, as a house rule, nobody comes on the podcast without doing some form of quiz, Tom included. So I've prepared an alternative news quiz on the goings-on in 2018. It shouldn't be too difficult, but it will be a head-to-head. There are 12 questions, one for each oh month of the year. God. The God. first to get the answer correct gets the point. Okay. So it is the Finchie-style Finchie, okay. office yeah. Christmas first quiz. first to shout out wins. Uh, all the questions about the military? Or? Uh, they, <laughs> they, they are not all about oh, the military. Yeah. In, in fact, I'm now really worried that, that at least six of the questions about the military. Well, um, we'll find out. Let's go. Shall we go? Yeah. How do, um, we, do we just shout? Yeah, buzzing. just shout out. And it's, and it's head to head three, is it three way? Head to head right, okay. between the three of you. Let's create a little table. There's Natasha, okay. there's Charles, there's Tom. I'll do a tally. Question number one for January. Who came top of Deloitte's list of the world's richest football clubs in January? Real Madrid. Incorrect. Manchester United. Oh, I'm going to give that to Charles because yes. Tom did buzz in, but it was wrong. So, so you, don't, you don't think of them as being rich anymore because they're, so they're not very good at football. Yeah, exactly. And of course, we've had the devastating news today that yeah. Jose Mourinho. £22 million pounds less rich now. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs> but they're richer, surely, for you know, not having to pay him. Maybe. In um, the long run. February. And this is a remarkable story. Peruvian prisoner Alexander Delgado was finally recaptured in February after more than a year on the run. But how did he break out of jail? Buzz. <laughs> Natasha. Surprisingly, I know this one, Ollie, because really? we did talk about it yesterday. <laughs> and I feel like I'm not going to get that many more points in this quiz, so I'm going to take it. Maybe we should give uh, you a point. He drugged his twin brother, and his twin brother stayed in the prison, unbeknownst to Just him. about to say that. And Can you believe that? The guy drugged his twin brother on yeah. a prison visit, swapped clothes with him, and walked out of the jail. I mean, there's a lot of questions. I'm, I'm going to put it out, I think he's a wrong-in. Yeah. He sounds like a wrong-in. I reckon he's I mean, a wrong-in. He ended up in there in the first place, so, <laughs> you know. March, number three. Who came top of the UN's World Happiness Report? Charles, you should know this, because we did do Costa a gallery Rica. on it. Ireland. Top of the world's happiness. Uh, is it Norway? It, it's not Norway. Sweden. It's somewhere very Iceland. close Denmark. to Norway. Keep going. Uh, Finland. Correct. Yeah, so well, Finland toppled always, Norway. Always uh, Scandinavian. But it's, it's always between those two countries, really. Good, good pension systems. That's, uh, Correct. Uh, and obviously they're good because that. Norway can afford them. Oh. Um, question Lord. number four. <laughs> April. A statue of which historical figure was unveiled in Parliament Square in April? Millicent Fawcett. Correct, Natasha. Yes. Another point for you. Uh, we're rifling through this. Uh, May. At the Chelsea Flower Show in May, Theresa May described something she was shown as wonderful. Was it a poo, a dry stone wall, or some cheese? The wall. The poo. Correct. <laughs> uh, more politely, to put it, it was a cowpat. Theresa May was shown a cowpat during a visit to the Welcome to Yorkshire Garden. Uh, the garden included a dry stone wall, a cottage with a smoking chimney, a mocked up Dale stream, and several examples of animal waste. What's the theme of this quiz? Alternative news. Alternative, okay. Sort of <laughs> stories sure. that were in the headlines yeah, yeah. but didn't headline go news big. Of the year. Yeah. Um, I can't believe that didn't go big. 
<laughs> I don't know. That's the first time I've read it. Brexit, isn't it? Together. That's the problem. It's February. Bre Brexit. Brexit. Yeah. Nobody cares about cowpats anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it'll come back onto the end agenda. Well, Tom. I, I know the farmers' lobby. I think that's inevitable. It's pretty, yeah. pretty big. Um, June. The record for the largest ever skinny dip was smashed in June, having previously been broken in Australia. Where did the successful record-breaking attempt take place this time? Was it A, France, B, Ireland, or C, Croatia? Ireland. Correct. I was going to say Ireland too. Just, Tom, you've got no I points know. so far. I, 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 I guessed first on the last one, so I felt like I couldn't guess first. But <laughs> this is meant to be a round of questions that flattered you. No, no, we've, yeah. most we've how many, how many questions down are we? Six. Uh, we are six. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. big, I mean, everyone likes a dramatic comeback, yeah. don't they? Th that's so. true. We all love an underdog. Uh, to answer your question, Natasha, more than 2,500 women stripped naked on Magramore okay. Beach in County Wicklow to raise money for a children's cancer charity and they broke the previous Guinness World Record, which was set by 786 people in Perth in 2015. I might add that people in Perth probably didn't mean to set the record. <laughs> they were just there it is nice weather. being Australian. Uh, question number seven, July. In July, who did Forbes say was on track to become the youngest self-made billionaire? Was it A, Carly Jenner. Very good. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> wow, straight in there. Let's move on. August. Uh, who so I said? Think that's a I'm actually okay. gutted that didn't get that, there. Yeah, <laughs> that right was your university challenge yeah. moment. Right in my wheelhouse. That was, yeah, that was the buzzing before the end of the question, getting the question correct. Mm. If you'd gotten it wrong, I would have deducted sure. all of your points. Understood. <laughs> August number eight. Who said he would fund two scholarships for Black Cambridge students in August? Stormzy. Correct. Natasha and Charles tying on four. Tom still yet to break into the points. Please get all of them right. <laughs> and then some. And then. <laughs> uh, number nine, September. Donald Trump provoked laughter in September by saying, in less than two years, my administration has accomplished more than any administration in the history of our country. But where was he? Was he A, at the UN, B, UN. at the G20? Tom in with the hey. UN. He was at the UN. He was not at the G20. Oh, God, I needed that. You did <laughs> my need little, that. My little heart I'm was going like the clappers. Yeah. Uh, October. Which country launched its first gender-neutral passport in October? Think about the countries we've said already. Finland. Nope. Think progressive. Think European. Think relaxed. Sweden. Netherlands. Correct. Yeah. Tom is fighting back. Uh, number 11, the penultimate question. What was Justin Bieber's big news in November? His engagement? Mm. Got married. Correct. Ah. He got married to Hayley Baldwin uh, and announced the news on Instagram because Hayley Baldwin changed her name to Hayley Bieber. You see, you see now how I've made it very exciting yeah. by allowing Natasha yes. and Charles and to I go ahead. And now we are, we, are, we are eyeing up was this your deliberate a potential tie-break question. I hope you're prepared for this. I think this one should be worth two. Unless you do have a tie break. I don't have a tie break oh, question. I, I think we should expose Ollie for being underprepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I think I can think I, of a tie I, break I, I think we're, we're assuming that I'm going to get it right, which is most saying, unlikely, yeah. I would suggest. I don't know, for this question, I'd say Tom's probably got a good <laughs> inning. I mean, 12, December. What were the precise numbers of the Theresa May confidence vote result? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, was... One was 120. Can I get half a point? No. And the other one was, I don't know, 80? Yeah. Was 120 right? No. Oh. 122? No. Okay. 25? Uh, 133? No. I'll give you a clue. There were 317 votes cast. Okay, 178? No. 
all has gone quiet in the podcast studio as my guests. This makes great radio when you be. just sit around. Should we, should <laughs> should we write, like, damn, what we thought it was. Should we should have closest and the closest yeah, okay. wins. The closest wins. Oh well, you ultimately lose. Good to see that my guests have brought pads of paper with them. No cheating. Again, this isn't the best Five, uh, podcast. Four, three. What was the total? God, two, one. Oh. Results, please. Tom, no. what are you saying? I've gone for 188. In favour. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you need the other number. <laughs> I, actually, well, I, I wrote down, down before. Oh, okay. Okay. I should, we should just, just do in favour. I've got. I've just. I don't know. Put 180. Tom wins. Uh, which so it was 200, 217. So, which does mean that there's a tie-break right. question. Uh, let me think of a tie-break question. <laughs> we can always cut this pause yeah, yeah. from the edit. Yeah. So from now we'll pause. This is good vamping, though. Well, I think of a tie-break question. What canal? <laughs> In the office, <laughs> what is Oggy's real name? Nathan. Correct. Ah, very good. Tom wins. Tom uh, wins. Yeah, yeah, Tom wins. Well done. Um, the final scores are uh, five, four to four. So well, that well was played. Well played. Good game. Good game. Good game. There are handshakes in the Some studio. Really reasonably good Thanks very well much. Right. Thanks very much. Yes. All Should handshakes we? come out well on the podcast well. too. <laughs> if ever there's a time to celebrate, Let's I think pull. it's me winning, isn't it? So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, oh, I've very kindly, out of my own pocket, brought some uh, some Bucks Fizz. For the listeners studio. at home, Tom has just brought out a very big bottle of Bucks Fizz. Uh, Sainsbury's um, finest. So yeah. It says so Clementine on it. Yeah, you get Clementines in there. It's, can know. we capture the sound of the? I'll do my. Now, is there, is there a danger in me popping this in a kind I of mean, extravagant Lewis Hamilton? It's all coming down. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you can be the first to start the process okay, of well, demolition. Talk amongst yourselves. While Tom. I, uh... My friend opened a beer bottle on a train on Sunday <laughs> uh, with like, like the classic, like, oh, I'll do it with the table or something. Yeah. And the lid just went flying and hit some woman on the face. Oh, <laughs> was she injured? That's such yeah, an in between moment. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, the friend's like 36, but... <laughs> oh, Yay. beautiful. Cheers. Nice Merry one. Christmas. Um, who wants to pour? I'll do the honours. I'll tell you what, while you pour, Tom, yeah. we'll move on to the next section of the podcast. I have asked you all to bring with you your favourite slash best mm. news story from this year. It can be anything, it doesn't have to be financial. Um, Natasha, let's start with you. Yes. What story have you brought and why well, is it the best? It's not, I mean, well, it is the best. It's not my favourite. I mean, it's not a good story, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, it is well written. It's the, uh, it's the President's Club scandal ah. uh, from January, okay. which I thought was the best story of the year. And for anyone who is ignorant enough not to know what that is, explain for listeners at home what happened and why it's important. What happened was uh, the, an FG journalist, Madison uh, Ma Marriage, is this? Yeah, yeah. She went kind of undercover to this uh, traditional dinner that's been going on for hundreds of years um, and uh, it's all for men and it's all business and finance professionals and politicians and you know you can imagine the types um, and she just discovered that it was all a bit creepy mm -hmm. and a bit mm. gross and there were some sort of not very well paid uh, hostesses there getting kind of groped and mm. It uh, just wasn't a pleasant environment, and play maybe not one that we would expect to still be hearing about in 2018. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, I thought that was a, it was a very brave reporting from her, and it was a good story, and 
really follows on from some of the trends we've been seeing and hopefully we'll continue to see exposing this kind of behaviour. Mm. And uh, if I could just chip in there, I went to a corporate dinner on mm. Friday night, a Christmas meal at a huge uh, city firm, which I won't name, and there were some very, very scantily dressed Santa's little helpers really? hanging up, still. Pre handing out presents. So if there are any companies like that that still think that that's appropriate, they're listening to this podcast, chances slim, uh, stop. <laughs> yeah. um, Charles, let's move on to you. What story do you have and why is it good? So mine's uh, not as uh, hard-hitting or <laughs> always good, let's say, <laughs> as the fashion. Um, I, I went down the, the uh, fun headline route, um, but uh, the headline says, the independence headline on this story pretty much tells the whole thing, but it is, Irish football team forced to apologise after faking own player's death to get Kane called off. Yeah, so even I heard about this. Yeah. I don't know any football news. I can't so, believe I didn't hear this story. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more, Charles. I mean, so Ballybrack FC called the move a gross error of judgment. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, um, uh, I mean, Tom, you, you play a bit of football. I do indeed. You know, I've never faked my own death. I've really tried. I think you know how difficult it can be to get a <laughs> team out sometimes. Uh, Ballybrack struggled to get this team out, so decided that they would, rather than take the points penalty, just say one of their players had died. So they just told the opposition? Yeah, they told the opposition in the league, uh, so they needed to postpone wow. it. Um, uh, so it came quite as a shock to uh, Fernando Nuno Le Ferrante. He hadn't died in a traffic accident, he'd moved back home to Spain. So he wasn't in on the... On the scheme. Well, he said they said, "Oh, because you've left recently, because you moved." They were like, "Oh, could we just say, you know, you're not available? We're struggling to find someone." So he said, "Yes." Mm. Uh, and the story goes that apparently he didn't know that they were going quite so far as to say he'd died. Yeah. They were just going. He assumed they would just say he's no longer living in the country. So um, <laughs> was there a language barrier there that created this? I, I imagine. I imagine the language barrier was uh, Ballybrack not explaining what they were going to do. Um, so yeah, they were obviously punished for this. I mean, I think the best bit of the story is that not only did their game get cancelled, but in all the games in that division, they held a minute silence beforehand. Oh no! To memorialise it. Oh my god! There was there's a post from Liffey Wanderers FC uh, in the same league, uh, a picture on Instagram showing them all gathered around the centre circle, head bowed, paying their respects to this guy who wow. had died. So uh, yeah. I, I thought that was just a, a great story for anyone who's wow. ever played uh, a competitive sport and struggled to get a team out. Um, don't fake someone's death. Don't fake someone's no. death. Well, we spanned both ends of the journalism spectrum there, I feel. Tom, have you got something that I goes back, back in the middle? I reckon I'm somewhere in the middle, actually, yeah. So <laughs> okay. I had a few, a few possible stories that I was going to pick, but in the end, uh, I went for one that has a kind of had some potential financial implications, but didn't in the end. So did okay. everyone read the story of Emil Reitelband, the 69-year-old who wanted to legally change, change his, his own change age, his age yeah. to 49 oh, yes, yeah. years old. So um, he's a Dutchman, he's a, a motivational speaker, so I think there is a small chance that he was using this for a bit of cheap publicity. There is a very small wasn't chance there, that's Wasn't there a Tinder element as well? There was a Tinder element, yes. So he, he felt that he was being unfairly discriminated against because he was mm. going on Tinder. He has a face like a 49-year-old, very specific age, 49-year-old, <laughs> a face like a 49-year-old, but he's having to put 69 on there and he felt like it was um, hurting him in the, in the dating market. Um, so he said, we live in a time when you can change your name and change your gender. Why can't I decide my own age? The court, the 
court disagreed. Highlighting the many, <laughs> many <laughs> thankfully, highlighting the many rights in law that are based on a person's age. But it was quite interesting because it was the kind of thing where, I mean, you would have been very, very surprised if a court had found in favour of someone being able to change sure. their age. But if, you, if it had found in favour, then all of a sudden you'd have had people reducing their age so that they could qualify for a lifetime ISA. Yes. People increasing their age so they could uh, get the state pension early. I mean, these yeah. are the kind of boring things that come to say That was the first in <laughs> <of the> case <laughs> I might. There must be something more interesting yeah. you can do with that. But I thought that was... Uh, that was fascinating, and, all, and you know, good luck to Emil as well. I mean, I think if he if he wants to feel that he's forty nine, he should feel that he's forty nine. But I don't think he can legally wow. be forty nine. I mean, could he not just lie on his dating profile? Well, I'm not saying he should. Back to the Presidents Club. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I mean, or we could just as a society stop uh, seeing age as an issue and, and, and be yeah. honest. No Christmas at all. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'd quite agree with that. I've got a story for you. Here we go. I, and well, so that is a pamphlet. This is an absolute bumper story. So the, the, is what it I one have of in the hand, FCA papers? It's not. Okay. <laughs> it's far more interesting than that. I have in my hand a full printout of the narrative from this story. And I've chosen this because I think in 2018 there was a lot of bad, but there was also some good that really showed the best. So I think this story showed the best and the worst of the world in 2018. And it is the full story of the extraordinary Thailand cave rescue. Oh. So this, of course, started when a team of uh, footballing boys, they had a birthday party to celebrate and they went exploring in some caves in Thailand. And uh, I don't think anyone's quite figured out precisely what happened yet, but essentially they were trapped and they were forced to retreat further into the cave in order to keep themselves safe. You'll remember some of the extraordinary highs and lows of this story. Mm. Uh, very sadly, a Thai uh, Navy SEAL lost his life uh, trying to prepare the rescue mission. Um, and even sadder than that, and even more disappointingly, Elon Musk waded in with a suggestion that he could bring his own submarine that would help bring the boys out. And uh, what resulted was an enormous dispute where Elon Musk said things that were unrepeatable in a podcast. Um, of course, the very best of the story is that the boys survived quite miraculously uh, and nobody, I don't think anyone really thought that that was going to happen. It's absolutely amazing and divers and cave experts came to Thailand from all over the world to try and solve this problem. So I've chosen that. If anyone wants to read it, it seems to be about sort of 50 pages long yeah. but it's absolutely <laughs> replete with detail well about all the ropes, mm. all the different, different sort of cave bits of the cave network, all the techniques that they use, the oxygen tanks. It's an absolutely fascinating story. So that, guys, is my top story of 2018. Shall we move on to section three of the podcast? Now, I have some predictions for next year, and I would like mm. to hear yours, um, but I thought we'd get the discussion going. I'd fire, fire my three predictions at you. Prediction one is that ethical investing is going to become an even bigger thing than it has done this year and years before, and that specifically our attentions will be turned uh, to divesting from meat stocks as a way of saving the planet. Okay. That's my first prediction. Um, the second prediction is that we will finally get a cold calling ban. <laughs> That's uh, fairly, fairly confident in that prediction, yeah. And my third prediction is that Brexit will happen on the 29th of March 2018 and that there won't be a people's vote. Who wants to chip in on that, Tom? I mean, I put okay. the cold calling ban okay, prediction in so there. So the, so the cold calling ban, um, my understanding is that it will be in place by January next year. If not, then February at the absolute <laughs> latest. Um, I, <laughs> it has become... It has become almost laughable still having to talk about something like this after this period of time. I think um, as I was preparing for this, I was trying to think of some of the um, me. some of the phrases that would sum up 
2018 and in certainly in a lot of discussions I've been having one of the phrases I've heard over and over again is as soon as parliamentary time allows yes has become the com especially around retirement policy and pensions policy has become yes. this incredibly common phrase which is we know this is a good thing like the cold calling man we want to do it because we see there's a problem but we just can't get the bloody thing through the House of Commons at the moment yeah. because there's no time to do it so I think it will happen it is good news but it could become a thing, ASAPTA, as soon <laughs> as parliamentary, <laughs> it's the new ASAP, <laughs> um, just with less, less commitment yeah. loaded onto it. Um, Natasha, you've become a bit of a sort of uh, mini expert on ethical investing. Am I right? Am I wrong? Well, Do you have predictions, uh, counter predictions for 2019? Is a bit generous, but no, I mean, hopefully ethical investing is going to continue to grow. I mean, it, it has to, climate change is obviously a very real and, uh, you know, imminent issue um whether that means there's going to be actually any good like products any good funds anything that's going to actually entice people into them is a different question there should be i mean but whenever we talk about it it's just still such a small percentage of the market isn't it so mm. i don't know but hopefully do you think yeah. it will ultimately be driven by the performance of the funds over time because i, I I'm, I'm, I'm by no means an expert in this area oh, but i go and speak at events quite often and there'll be somebody that quite others have noticed actually the last three, four, five times I've gone and done a presentation on various retirement bits. The number of um, investment firms that are pushing ethical investment solutions is definitely on the up. So it's clearly something that they think can be sold. But what, I guess what, what, what does it take for people to, to buy into this yeah. idea that you actually get, because ultimately I think most people would still want to know they're going to get the returns right for the money as well as, as well as having the money invest in a way that they're happy with. It does yeah. seem like maybe the people that were into it before it was cool were not into it for the returns. But yeah. if you're going to have mm. it on a mass scale, then... I love the idea that it's cool. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Charles, I think back to a tweet that you tweeted early this year where you said, you know, something to the tune of, well, people are going to have to compromise here because one of the returns you get from ethical investing is, you know, a surviving planet. You know that. The return yeah. isn't just financial. Anymore. Yeah, the return is the planet surviving, and and society, uh, society. I, I don't quite mean society. I mean um, these companies like Shell have to accept that eventually oil is going to run out, and yeah. uh, investors would do well to think that, and maybe one they can influence that decision, but two, if they want good returns long into the future, you know, advisors always go on about long term investing and how it's not about. Um, the uh, the short term gains. Well, if that's true, then the best thing to do is to invest in companies early when and mm. funds early when they're perhaps worth value a bit cheaper at a point yeah. before it becomes the crunch point. Yeah, I think if if I could add a sort of tactfully put opinion, I think in 2018 one of the worst things we've seen is is shall we say commodities companies. I won't you know name and shame, but they've really been burying their head in the sand and focusing far more on branding to make themselves look acceptable in a world that is. You know, clearly not going to last if we rely on their products. Um, when what they need to be thinking is sort of they need to be thinking forwardly and, and progressively about you know whether they can adapt their business model, whether they can invest in different in different systems in a different business model, so that they themselves can be sustainable and that the planet can too. Well, I mean, BlackRock's a good, interesting example because beginning of this year, um, Larry Fink, their mm. chief mm, exec. Yeah. He said, oh, we're now going to be ethical. That's our main thing. We're going to focus loads of money into ethical. Mm. 
But at the same time, they have it both ways and they're big investors in Uber, for example. They're big investors. They're still big investors, I'm sure, in some of these um, commodity companies. Um, And it's, uh, I think there is, I can't remember any details, I think off the top of my head, there was a report which found that actually they're one of the least ethical because Mm. because they're so huge. Mm -hmm. They've got such huge um, staff numbers, use so much computer energy and and add that on to the fact that they're investing in some of these uh, tech startups that also use in um, huge, huge amounts of resources, it's hard to argue that they've really lived out that promise uh, mm. that, that Fink made. I think in 2018 we've also seen this, um, you know, this this challenge towards you know what is ethical. I think about the Facebook scandal mm. and Cambridge Analytica, and you think, well, <coughs> excuse me, before that, you know, someone might have been quite happy to have a company like Facebook and an ethical fund, but has it really been ethical that? That they've used data in that way, or that they've behaved in, in that way, and you know, evidently, as a result, they're changing. And sometimes it does take a you know a big scandal, perhaps in the way of the Presidents Club, to force change. I just hope that it won't be the kind of creeping, compromising, um, rubbish change that is sort of cosmetic, and that it will actually be kind of root and branch. Um, a final question for you all, perhaps this keep you on your toes. Who has won 2018? You know, if there's one person, in your opinion, that stands out this year, um, who has who has won the year? Just from anyone or from yeah, finance? You know, it's just one person who sort of stood out. Well, to I, you. I think I think the difficult thing with that, I think it is, it's a good question. The difficult thing is, it's kind of certainly, in, you know, politically, it's felt like a year of losers. Yeah, it? it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel. It, really it doesn't feel like a year when anyone in particular has been doing very well out of, um, out of society. I guess it would depend how, it might, it might all depend how, how Brexit unfolds. If you're, if so, if, you, if you're right and there's no people's own, perhaps we go to a, a hard Brexit and arguably Boris Johnson would see himself as being the big winner, although I'm not sure mm. exactly what he's won in particular other than being <laughs> on what he sees as the right side yeah. of the argument. Yes. Um, yes. I think, I, I, yeah. Southgate. Gareth Southgate. I was so hoping that this would come up. I think Gareth Southgate is probably one of the few people who's come out of 2018 with any credit. Yeah, I, no, I agree. And I think he he's sort of shown this belief in grassroots football, and he he's handled the criticism in a, in a way that perhaps makes some of the old guard look a little bit silly. You know, he's been under a lot of pressure in yeah, the World Cup, and it, well. he's it come out really, really well. Seems like a nice guy. I'm going to controversially throw in Michelle Obama here because I think yeah. that was the sort of her. She came to Britain a couple of weeks ago, I think, to speak at the South Bank Centre, and um, you know, boy was that boy was that a kind of a popular endeavour. People trying to get tickets um, for hours, sold out really, really quickly. I think someone like Michelle Obama, you know, she she just has this ability to sort of instill hope. <laughs> you know, that you, you see someone like her saying things that seem for once reasonable in a world that is defined by noise and fake news and all of this nonsense. So I think that gave me a lot of hope towards the end of this year. I'm afraid that's all that we've got time for today. Um, thank you to my guests for being here. It's been really, really good. And thank you to Tom for bringing the books, Fizz. <laughs> um, this means that we're now out of time for 2018 too. Uh, so thanks for joining us. But more importantly, thank you for listening to our podcast generally. It's done better than we could possibly have hoped. Uh, so far, we've racked up 16,559 listens this year alone, with 10,039 downloads to boot as of yesterday. We hope to bring you more podcast gold in the new year. But until then, 
From everyone in the studio and at CityWire, we would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. See you in 2019.